Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, your weekly roundup of the best of bailiwick sport. Coming up this week with Guernsey FC back home on Bank Holiday Monday, we'll find out what's in store at Foots Lane this season. We've also got news of a new name in the Guernsey men's squad ahead of next week's 50-over cricket interinsula in Jersey. And I definitely want to talk about the sea donkey too. I'm Tony Kerr and with me this week is Gareth the Prevo. Hi, Tony. And Harry Jones. Hi, Tony. How are we doing, chaps? Very good, thank you. Mm-hmm. All good. Um, I think we've got to start with the sea donkey, Adrian Sarchet, this week. I mean, not strictly speaking sport. Um, yeah, it was a front page story rather than a back page story. But I think in terms of pure, pure athletic achievement, it's hard to think of anything kind of more impressive, really. It was absolutely mind-boggling watching him do his thing on the, the weekend. It's just totally remarkable, isn't it? I mean, it, it, like you say, it is mind-boggling. I, I can't comprehend swimming for more than about for than 10 minutes, but to do it for 24 hours is absolutely astounding. And um, yeah, it's, it's just all you can do is almost stand up and applaud him. It's just an incredible achievement. Yeah, if you manage to miss it, um, AD Sarchet, yeah, in the pool, uh, or the ladies' pool at the bathing pools for 24 hours, got in at three o'clock on Saturday afternoon, and he was there going length by length for the full 24 hours, pretty much, save for a kind of couple of minutes of, of sort of food and drink at the end of each uh, hour, um, all the way through till three o'clock on Sunday afternoon. And unbelievable support throughout the weekend um, and, and a huge turnout to sort of see him through the last um, stages of that and, and into the finale. And, you know, we, we've spoken about, the, you know, there's been some awesome kind of Guernsey sporting moments this year, this summer, you know, not least um, at the Commonwealth Games with those medals. But, you know, I think it's kind of right up there in terms of uh, sort of quite a moving kind of end to a to a sporting spectacle, a physicals kind of spectacle. Um, I think the, the stats kind of speak for themselves. It was, well, obviously 24 hours in the water, but 60 or just short of 60 kilometres swum as well. In what is, you know, it's very nice that the water temperature this time of year for a kind of 10 minute dip. Mm. But I, I, I don't know, the sort of mental resolve to to get through it. You probably have to Scary. be very careful on your pacing as well. I would have thought because of all the great support um, he had down at the Bacon Pool, you, you think... You think you might almost get off to too quick a start, but um, sort of seeing the footage you put together, Tony, it's just it's, he paced it so well. And I mean, obviously by the end, his his strokes getting shallower, which is it's not really surprising after twenty four hours. But he was still it, it always looked like a similar pace throughout, and just to be able to do that is just yeah, like I say, it, it sort of does blow the mind somewhat. What's your swimming like, Harry? <laughs> Nowhere near as good as me, that's for sure. <laughs> It's honestly an incredible achievement. And it was great to see, as you're saying, so much support at the Baden Pool. I saw that video and everyone just around people on the balconies and stuff supporting him it was just amazing. I can't even I can't even imagine swimming for that long and the lack of sleep as well, you know, to keep going at like 20, 21 hours in when you've not slept a wink, swimming lap after lap after lap, tumble turn after tumble turn. It's just it's just amazing. It's one of the one of the most unbelievable sporting achievements I've seen, to be honest. I was kind of half expecting him to get out with a six pack after uh, <laughs> after twenty four hours of tumble turning. Because uh, the core strength required um, for that is really impressive. Um, you mentioned the pacing, Gareth. That, yeah, I was part of the Guernsey press team that, that joined for an hour of, of that um, journey um, at eight o'clock on Saturday night. So yeah, what sort of five hours in? And I tried. I sort of waited. I tried to. Oh, I swam alongside um, Adrian in the in the next lane for a couple of lengths, breaststroke. But it was like pro- probably like close to I don't know sort of eighty ninety percent capacity for me of breaststroke. Um, and I, yeah, I don't think I'd have been able to keep up for more than about two or three lengths, really, without kind of 
starting to struggle. <laughs> Which is, I mean, like, so he wasn't going slowly. He was going at a really steady lick. Yeah. Well, to be fair to you, Tony, you're usually doing something very different at eight o'clock on a Saturday <laughs> night. So uh, no, well done to you for that hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite different. And just a word as well on, on his kind of support team, because, um, yeah, some kind of fantastic um, sporting knowledge he was calling upon. Dan Gilmet was there. He's obviously had a hugely successful career um, in cycling and physiotherapy and stuff. He was kind of helping out with the nutrition and, and stuff. And, and Connor Osborne as well with the sort of swim technique. Um, so yeah, uh, kind of just a fantastic effort all round from from Adi Sachet and from um, kind of everyone who put on the event and yeah, a really special community moment. If you didn't see it, yeah, yeah worth having a look back at the, the videos that we put up because I think it does give you an indication of kind of how many people were down there and exactly what he was going through. And um, yeah, worth listening back as well to to what Adi had to say afterwards because he ju- he's just kind of so matter of fact about it. I mean, we went to to speak to him on Monday morning and he was just kind of just not you know he was sort of normal. Kind of eager to get back in the pool, wasn't yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I wanted to go for a swim, and there was no sense of like kind of being sick of the water. So, um, yeah, unbelievably impressive. Um, congratulations to him, and I think they've sort of nudging over 130,000 raised for um, for the bathing pools and, and kind of getting ever closer to that target of 150,000, which I'm sure um, they will reach after that extraordinary effort. So, yeah, well done um, to him. Uh, let's have a quick look ahead to the cricket because we've got the 100 final tonight, uh, the sort of, I suppose, the domestic denouement uh, in terms of the, the season. And then uh, looking ahead already to Jersey next weekend when the 50 over into Insular returns. The squad's been named for that, Gareth, and there's a, a new name in there. Yeah, Martindale Bradley, the Irregulars captain, has been um, named. He's, he's sort of been involved in within Ireland squad training for for well basically probably the best part of a couple of years now but um being hailing from South Africa he obviously doesn't he hasn't qualified uh, for Guernsey until now he's he's done his uh, ICC residential qualification now so he, he comes into the the squad and um yeah he, he certainly adds something a bit different he he is a really hard hitter of the ball um bowls leg spin he bowls um some he can bowl some really good spells actually when he gets sort of into a, a nice rhythm he's very useful and a very good fielder as well so i think he certainly adds something to that that squad um, unfortunately, um, we will be missing. I, I don't think it's sort of that debatable to say Matt Stokes is our best player, but he, he's um, unfortunately unavailable. It, it, it's one of those things that um, I think Guernsey Cricket were almost preparing for almost a whole summer without Matt because he, he had planned to go travelling anyway because he's a, he's a teacher and sort of like he was going to take up most of his holidays travelling. Um, we were lucky enough to have him for the ICC competition in Finland, as it turned out, but um, he, he's currently away, so he won't be available for that game. Um, but the rest of the squad is, is pretty much, I think, what would largely be expected. Um, very experienced now in terms of sort of playing for Guernsey, even though there's several who haven't actually played in a 50-over interinsula. It's, it's strange how things work now because of... Um, uh, T20 stuff and ICC competitions we're involved in um, we've had sort of one 50 over interinsular in about the last five years I think 2019 was the last one but there wasn't one the year before because they played T20 series against Jersey instead so um, yeah it's um, it's going to be quite a task obviously Jersey are absolutely flying at the moment and um, uh, speaking to Captain Josh Butler yesterday, he, he basically said ever since he's been involved in the in the interinsular, he's gone in as an underdog or Guernsey have gone in as underdogs. He said it's probably even more than that now. I mean, it's Jersey are just they're they're beating sides in in the ICC competitions who are just um, 
a level above and um, they're, they're going so, so well. But, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just it's almost like a great opportunity to play a side of that level. Almost taking away the fact it's Jersey, they are a quality international side now. So um, and it'll be played on, a, on undoubtedly a, a very good deck at Farmers. Um, Jim Pershard, who's who looks after the ground there, always has it in great condition. So uh, I'm sure it'll be a great day uh, next Saturday, Saturday, the first Saturday of September. And um, the Guernsey guys should almost just go out and see it almost as a no pressure on, which is very unusual to say in the interim. So it's still a massive game for everyone. But <laughs> Jersey are probably more than red hot favourites for it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I suppose there's sort of two ways of looking at it. It's either you think like, crikey, um, yeah, Jersey are coming into this in unbelievable form and, and being intimidated. Or you could, I suppose, think, well, you know, maybe there's a, there's a glimmer of hope in the fact they've had a, an unbelievably long summer that, you know, they might be sort of slightly burnt out after it all. Well, it's never a case of there's, there's no hope. I mean, we, we've, still got, we've still got a very good team. It's one of those things. If you look, if you compare the current Guernsey team against some of the past ones who have probably beaten Jersey in, in those past entrances, we've got probably more talent in this side. Just so happens that Jersey <laughs> that have gone so much higher up the ladder. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's it is what it is, and um, I think the guys should should go there and enjoy it. Like you say, Tony, Jersey have played so much fifty-over cricket; they're so well drilled now in that they've they've almost got that added advantage. We haven't actually played as a Guernsey side in a fifty-over game regularly for since before the pandemic. You know, I mean, we, we did have um, Isle of Man over here last year and what have you, but um, it. it it's almost a case of we're more T20'd out now when Jersey have been playing in the uh, Challenge League B um, over the last few months and been doing so well it's it everything points you know towards a Jersey win but you never know what can happen I mean we've got batsmen there capable of, of sort of stepping up to the plate and scoring big runs on the day so you know who knows yeah, well, it's going to be an interesting one, as you say, uh, Gareth, in Jersey next weekend. I'm sure a bit more build-up to come on the pod and in the paper uh, next week. Well, that's it for part one. Coming up next, we'll be talking football and GFC. Welcome back to the Guns Press Sport podcast. Uh, if you aren't already, do hit follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and uh, leave a, a rating review. Let's talk football now, guys, because, um, yeah, we're a really busy week kind of all round. The Pre League gets underway on Friday night. Uh, if you haven't already or if you missed it, we've got a full Pre preview in this feed. Um, so do listen back to that. Uh, we have the Martinet on Tuesday night, um, which we'll talk about in a moment, and GFC as well. Um, let's start there because, um, yeah, the Green Lions have their first home game of the season on Bank Holiday Monday. That's against Tooting and Mitcham. And a couple of days before that, they're off to Southall um, in London um, for just their second match of the season after a bit of disruption last week. Uh, I think they got to the airport, sat around at the airport for, for a long time. I think some fog or weather disruption at Gatwick meant they couldn't get away for that second away game. And, and in the end, they'd missed the sort of floodlight window um, at the, the place they were visiting. So, uh, yeah, a couple of hours probably in departures and then back home for the for the GFC players, which is not ideal at the kind of early uh, early season in the summer. You don't really expect that, that sort of disruption. And that was after a pretty arduous uh, first away trip or first game of the season in the uh, the baking hot heat. But anyway, I think they're ready to get going. And the sense all round, Harry, is that there's a lot of positivity at the club. Yeah, well, so far so good in terms of pre-season. Vansy's spoken quite a bit about how it's still not the most ideal to only play sort of three games before the season starts. It's still a lot better than they've had in recent years. It's the first proper pre-season they've had in a number of years, getting clubs over, going to the Isle of Man, and then quite a lot of fresh faces in that squad. Quite a few coming from the pre-o, the likes of Danny Hale, Sam Murray, who have been 
sort of the best few players in the Prio over the last couple of years, looking to make that step up. And they should both be available for the trip to Southall. Obviously, Sam Murray's had a bit of an injury doubt. He came on for the last 20 the other day in the Martinet Cup final, I believe. So Vance is hoping that he's going to be back for this weekend. But yeah, pretty positive result at Thatcham, to be honest. And um, you can never really tell with this league what teams are going to be like week by week, let alone season by season. But Southall and Tooting and Mitchum are two sides who've not started the season brilliantly. Southall picked up a win and then they've lost a game as well. And uh, Tooting and Mitchum have picked up one point from their two games and then both went and lost at home in the FA Cup this weekend. So two sides slightly out of form. Obviously, as I said, it's right at the start of the season, so you can't make too many judgments. But I think from what Nick Legg was saying, as I know we're going to hear from him, after and what Vance has been saying, we should fancy our chance against both these teams and, to be honest, against most teams in this league. Well, let's hear from Nick Legg there. You mentioned him, GFC director and uh, someone who kind of makes the club tick and has been making the club tick for a number of years now. Um, we wanted to catch up with him just ahead of that first home game in particular to find out kind of what's in store um, and what he's hoping for from the fans at Footslay in this season. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Really well, thank you. Um, Excited to be back and, um, you know, it feels strange after having a gap after our first game, but I'm really looking forward to Saturday and our first game on Monday. Yeah, big weekend. Obviously, a, a bit of a a bit of a disappointing night the other night with that um, kind of late cancellation to the game. So I guess everyone will be pretty eager to get going, you know, having just got sort of one match in the bag. And as you say, um, an away trip on Saturday and then back at Foots Lane on Monday for a midday kickoff against Tooting and Mitchum. I suppose the big question a lot of people will be wondering is how's the pitch looking down there? Is it ready to go? Uh, it's looking a lot better than it was uh, five or six weeks ago. And walking into work this morning, I was a little bit miserable when it was raining and, uh, I thought in the back of my head, I might be miserable because uh, I'm getting wet. But actually, this is fantastic ahead of our first home game at Prince Lane. So I'm confident you know, by Monday we've, we've had some had some rain now, which I'm sure is uh, what Shane and the ground staff were absolutely praying for ahead of the game. Um, and hopefully it will be in a, well, it will definitely be in a much better situation um, compared to where it would have been if we had to play that first game, it would have been unplayable. So looking forward to getting back there and hopefully it's a good surface. Yeah, there's always stuff that crops up, isn't there? I mean, I'm sure, you know, the fact that you've had basically a sort of relatively normal pre-season, you think, well, got a bit of time to get everything ready. And then suddenly there's all this doubt about the pitch and, and whether games are going to have to get moved. So uh, the fact that that sort of problem has gone away is great. Uh, as I say, Nick, it has been a, you know, a full and, and relatively normal pre-season. Sort of off the field, are you all set for sort of fans to come back and, and watch GFC again? Absolutely. We're, we're really pleased with the numbers of uh, season tickets we've had so far. Our renewals were very strong and um, only last night I um, I get an up I get an email every time somebody buys a season ticket and uh, we had a few season tickets bought last night. So that's always positive. And, and what I've really kind of enjoyed seeing is when I've opened up those emails and I've seen um, you know under 16s um, season tickets. That, that for me is is brilliant and. And what the club did last season was we introduced a £40 season ticket in the stand. Um, and, and that's been something this season we've seen. A lot of people have bought tickets. So you've seen, you know, whether it be, you know, dad and sons or perhaps grandfather or, um, buy, buying tickets to be in the stand. So that, that's fantastic to see. And um, we've seen good numbers of um, under 18s buying standing behind the goal season tickets as well. So that's really good. Um, and, you know, I hope that continues. And I think it's really important we've made that affordable um, for people. And we've given people the opportunity to, you know, £10 is a lot, lot of money um, 
for people and if, if you can bring um, your children to the game for, for cheaper then obviously that's absolutely fantastic uh, Nick just um, in terms of sort of like the season tickets and what have you did, did you Guernsey FC have any sort of follow on effect from um, Alex Scott's uh, success with the England under 19s in the summer obviously that was a such a massive thing for sort of like lo- local Guernsey football as well as the England um, under 19s uh, did, did you see a positive response after that as well I think you know definitely saw a positive response in terms of um, you know the lift in how people felt and um, kind of people understanding how valuable the product could be in terms of um, season ticket sales, if you like. I don't think there was a um, kind of a direct impact on on that, but I really do hope that going into this our first home game, um, you know, there will be an impact in terms of um, you know. The people standing behind the goal and you know you know you've got harry sat beside you there and uh harry's been one of those people standing behind the goal making noise and uh you know i want to see more of those people and uh you know your, your next alex scotts and people who can come along and watch guernsey fc and aspire to be on that pitch and and that's not just about you know um it's not as easy as just saying well more people should come down it's about making sure where we can that there's not massive clashes and fixtures um and and perhaps the kickoff times enable people to do that so i think that's a a bigger exercise that needs to happen but one thing i'm really focused on this season we need to get those young people down there um and we need to be inspiring the next generation yeah, Harry's going to be making plenty of noise as well on commentary, I think, <laughs> at the weekend. Um, just just explain uh, the situation with GFC TV this season, Nick, and, and, and how f- supporters can follow the team away. So, um, so at the moment, the situation with Guernsey FC television is we've introduced a, a pay-per-match um, ticket. So we've called it a, a match pass. Um, so fans can go on to guernseyfc.com um, and they, they pay to watch the game. So it's um, £6 and that gives them, um, you know, full coverage. So the coverage starts 15 minutes before the game. Um, live commentary, um, you know, quite often that will be be Harry. So they'll have the, the full game they'll be able to watch and the highlights will follow after. But we've had to do that because Guernsey FC ultimately cost the club a lot of money. And the only way that we can make sure that continues is to reintroduce the the, the payment we, we did have that before um, and it was kind of on a monthly or, or season basis but we felt the best way to do it this season was game by game basis and that meant if you're able to watch the game and you want to watch the game then you, you just you just buy your match ticket if you like a match pass and when we spoke to Tony a couple of weeks ago Nick you know we sort of there's clearly a lot of ambition around at the club this season, a lot of motivation to to kind of be up there, kind of fighting for, for playoffs, fighting for promotion um, once again. How much do you hope that that sort of comes to fruition on the pitch in terms of the sort of net effect on the club as a whole and, and getting more people down to Foots Lane? Uh, we're, we're fully focused on that. I think if, if, if you're not pushing for promotion, um, then, you know, you've got to question your, your motivation. And uh, certainly, you know, You'll know, speaking to Tony, he's fully focused on that um, from b- both a kind of with my director's hat on and a fan's hat on. That's absolutely what I want us to do. Um, I think if you're winning games, we're going to see more people down at Foots Lane, which is going to have a positive impact on the atmosphere, uh, the, the, the momentum, but also ultimately the finances of the football club, which are very important. Um, but I 
but I think, you know, we've all seen it, you know, it's, it's obvious to say, and, uh, you know, I've apologised to, to Harry and Manchester United fans and things, but you look at what happens if you start badly. Arsenal last season lost their first game. It's very difficult to get that momentum and that positivity around the football club. So we started positively in our first away game. I think we were very pleased with the circumstances that we got kind of a nil-nil draw, funny thing to say, but we're coming into a home game. We really want to start well. We really want to win that game and we want to make sure that fans want to continue to come down to Foots Lane and we're going to focus on game by game, not necessarily saying that we have to win every game, but we want a result in every game. Um, and we want to make sure that we are pushing for promotion and we're in with a shout for as long as we possibly can be. Um, so when it comes to April, there's still a lot of excitement in the season. And it's not a, you know, it's not a, not a relegation battle where we've been recently. And it's not a mid-table kind of, OK, we're, we're doing all right because we're not getting relegated. We want to be pushing for that promotion and we're fully focused on that. And obviously, Nick, you've had to wait a few weeks extra for your first home game. Obviously, that Thatcham game was moved to being away. Has that just made everyone at the club more eager to get going at Foots Lane and hopefully get three points in front of the Foots Lane fans for the first time in a few months? Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, we're, we're on the horizon of that now. I'm really excited. I'm, I can't wait to see, you know, um, familiar faces at Foots Lane. But I think ultimately, Harry, you know, this season... It's got, to, it's got to be a results game. And, you know, at, at times last season, we were just, um, we were delighted to have football back after, you know, it being taken away from us for, for obvious reasons, the pandemic. But this season, that's not enough. We want to win games. Um, and interestingly, you know, we've said in the past, we want to see good football, but ultimately now I want us to win football games. So it would be great to be up for Sloan, but, the best thing for me will be when the referee blows his whistle, if we've got three points, no matter how we've got them, um, I think that's a real real positive and I think, you know, fans will respond to that as well. Brilliant. In terms of the uh, Tooting and Mitchum game specifically, is that a game the players in the group think that they can go and win? Absolutely. I think you, if they don't think they can win it, then they, they shouldn't be in the squad. If you look at um, the strength in our squad at the moment, we've obviously, you know, it's very early on, so numbers are going to be good, but there are people fighting for shirts and we want that to be happening at the end of the season as well. But we are confident at the moment and we want to go into every game believing we can win it. Hopefully we see a lot of people down there on Monday afternoon. Uh, it's going to be a, a hot day by all accounts. So not much rain around, I don't think, for that not pitch. not quite as bad as the Satcham one. That must have been Norfolk playing in 37 yeah. degrees. <laughs> I, yeah, it was, it was unbearable. Um, when we got on the coach, it was actually 40 degrees. Um, and the coach driver said, um, you know, because the, the coach wasn't moving, it was static, the aircon hadn't kicked in. Um, but as you know, it was like walking into a dishwasher and, and it, you know, all jokes aside, it was very unpleasant. And it was uh, one of the longest journeys as well. We were on the coach for for two hours. So when the boys actually got off the coach, I mean, I, I felt absolutely exhausted and I thought, how, they, how are they going to play this football game in half an hour's time? So, you know, they did amazingly in, in the conditions. So I think, you know, whatever the weather, I think, you know, we, we're, we're well trained in that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, yeah, Dolly doesn't have to get his shirt off for the trip down to, to Southall on Saturday. <laughs> 
Exactly. I didn't embarrass anyone with, by taking my uh, shirt off and showing you my tattoos. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, best of luck for Saturday and Monday. Um, we'll be following it closely and uh, yeah, more reaction on our football podcast at the start of next week. So um, yeah, have a good one, Nick. Cheers, Nick. Cool. Thanks, all. Cheers, Thank Nick. you. Thanks a lot. Nick Legg speaking to us just before. Um, as we say, Harry, you're off to do commentary this weekend as well. Going to be heavily involved there this season. Uh, yeah, yeah. So this Saturday, I think I'm doing so the camera stuff because the normal um, cameraman Ollie Tracy is unavailable. So I'm going to be trying my best to do that. Because, uh, <laughs> Hopefully, it'll be in focus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Last season, I had to step up to do that a few times, which um, yeah, it didn't go too bad in the end. No, Hopefully, well. <laughs> Hopefully, it'll be okay this weekend, and then hopefully doing as much commentary as I can again on the away games. Really enjoyed that last year. And then hopefully this year we'll be winning a bit more by um by everything that the coach has been saying at the club. A bit more ambitious this year. Going to hopefully try and push maybe for a playoff, maybe for a playoff spot. You know, Nick was saying that they're having promotion and I don't see why we shouldn't be targeting at least, you know, at least a top half finish and maybe even pushing those uh, playoff spots. Hopefully a lot less disruption this year. So yeah, really enjoying, really looking forward to... um. To, to the year ahead and really enjoyed everything last season so yeah it should be good yeah lots to look forward to um, let's just quickly mention the Martinet Gareth you were there on Tuesday night Blanche Pierre Lane yeah. St Martin's North uh, the traditional curtain raiser before they play each other again on Friday night and this one went to penalties yeah no it's actually a really enjoyable game Tony I must admit I turned up and um, bumped into an old colleague of mine um, from the press Mark Oliphant who used to play um um, some Prio and what have you is now into the veteran stage and I actually said I'm not really quite ready for football season yet it still feels like sort of cricket and golf but and um, to be fair my sort of by the end of the night my view has changed I, I had a thoroughly enjoyable night I thought it was a really good game it was um, really competitive and it was it was um, one all was a, probably the right certainly a draw was the right result after 90 minutes it could have been more there was um, certainly plenty of chances but I was, I was pretty impressed by both sides certainly the way um, um both sides are now mixing sort of like the, the youth and experience. Obviously, North has, has been well documented. It had a lot of the under-18, successful under-18 side from last season. Um, and they're sort of pushing into their first team ranks now. But they've also got a couple of um, old boys back as such. Uh, and Craig Young and Brandon Wallace combined really well for the first goal. Craig Young showed he still got the, the quality to ping a 40-yard pass and put it on a plate for most people. But um, I was really impressed with how young Brandon Wallace just um, took his chance. He, he showed no um, no fear in going forward, from cutting in from the left and firing into the bottom corner. And actually later in the first half, uh, the same combination almost created another one. And it was a very good save by uh, Josh Addison, who's now in goal for Saints. Um, but you know, typical Saints, they know how to how to get results, and um, they play they played well too. And then some of their youngsters showed up for um, their equaliser with uh, Fraser McGuinness putting in a really quality cross. Actually, impressed me all night. Actually, playing at left back, and uh, Alex Russell just got on the end of it, and it was a relatively simple um, headed finish. Um, but it, no, it was a really good game, and. Um, <laughs> with all due respect to the Martinet, it's not sort of like the massive one everyone wants to win, but I'm sure Saints will take some confidence from from, um, from the shootout um, victory and um, lifting the first bit of silver of the season, but they've got a, a more important one to defend now. Yeah, shaping up to be a really interesting campaign. Lots to look forward to kind of across island football here this season. So um, yeah, Friday night gets underway at Northfield. Um, Saints going up there and then uh, three matches on Saturday as well. So yeah, busy weekend of football. I'm sure we'll be right across it. 
hopefully. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be as <laughs> many places as I can be in the space of 24 hours, I think. As I mentioned, uh, the Guns Press Football podcast back. Um, yeah, do listen to the, the season preview if you haven't already. We're here from all eight coaches in that one. And we'll be back at the start of next week for the, well, I guess the first of our sort of regular early week looks at what's going on in Ireland football, continuing um, throughout the season. Um, so yeah, stay tuned to that one. Right, that's just about it, I think, for this week. Just a word um, on uh, the Horse of the Year show, which is continuing all weekend um, back to the five-day format uh, this year. Um, I know we've had a bit of coverage in the paper already, but I'm sure uh, more to look out for next week. I just wanted to mention as well a story that's in um, Thursday's uh, edition um, from the shooting and the picture that really caught my eye. Um, This is uh, teenager Sophie Hodge um, basically standing behind a table full of trophies. I mean... I like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 11 trophies, I think, like varying that. sizes more, yeah. that she picked up at the summer prize meeting. She's not local, so um, yeah, came across with the Great Britain under 19 um, team that, that visited. My main question is how the hell does she get all those trophies back? <laughs> so, By hitting the bullseye many times. She obviously, um, yeah. I don't know how you transport everything like that. Well, I don't know. I mean, Orini's like extra baggage sort of late baggage fees are not, you know, they're not hugely generous. <laughs> no. And when you think, in sort of a lot of these trophies have proper carrying cases as well, hard cases. So, um, yeah, I, I think it might be a case of she'll leave them with the Guernsey Rifle Club for safekeeping for the next year until she hopefully comes back and defends them. Yeah, they're really impressive. And I guess just, you know, another event which, you know, we're sort of getting back to normal, aren't we? Um, yeah, just to, to see sort of visiting shooters coming over is a, is a good sign and, and lots of different sporting events kind of, yeah, even still kind of creeping back to that normality. So um, that's a really good sign. Um, well, I think we'll leave it there for this week. Um, yeah, we'll be back with a, another Against Press Sport podcast um, next Thursday. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, give us a follow on social media. At GSY Press Sport is the place to go and pick up a paper six days a week for the very best local sports coverage. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony.